Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, I'm Jeremy Conrad of the MCU Cosmic Cast, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie The Real Deal Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of introducing our special guest co-host, as well as just getting into the episode in general... I'm the co-host. He's the guest. Well, he's the guest co-host, I say. Okay. But before we get into all that, we want to tell y'all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. Do it! First off, go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at... The Marvelists. Give us a like ski, a follow ski, a whatever ski, a jet ski. But you can also follow us individually, myself, on Twitter and Instagram, at Peter Melnick, and on the Facebook machine, at Peter Melnick Podcaster. Your fine self, sir. And Instagram, at Eddie9193. And you can also listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, including TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud, and wherever else you can get an RSS feed for your podcast. But on the topic of listening to the show, you can listen to us on iTunes where you can rate, review, and subscribe. Five star if you're ever so inclined. But I have to tell you all at home that four stars and below, much like the ice cream machine at McDonald's, it just don't work, baby. Also, okay, fine, I did it. (laughs) Wow. I, I am loving it. Although, you know, on the topic of fast food real quick, I tried to get a sandwich at Popeye's, the chicken sandwich. Mm -hmm. They were all sold out. I was waiting online for 20 minutes, and you have no idea how mad I was. It's a good sandwich, I suppose. Evidently. But also, you can listen to us on Stitcher Radio, and if you go to WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. Get one free month of Stitcher Premium, and then after that, it's only 499 pennies, but 499 you can get billed on In your credit card or debit speak, card. Yes. Well, yeah, you know, normal human beings, not... Not Peter. Yeah. Not Melnickies. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, go to WolverinePodcast.com, and like I said, get one free month of Stitcher Premium, and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And get a ton of audio content for free for the first month. Cancel at any time. But we recommend you stay, because you're going to be plowing through all the audio content, and there's so much to choose from. There's the Smodcast archives. The Earwolf Radio Archives, and of course Marvel's first and second foray into serialized audio dramas, Wolverine the Long Night, and Wolverine... The Lost Trail! And yeah, listen to them. And they're very cosmic, if you will. That was a really shoehorned way of introducing our special guest Uh, co-host. But he is Jeremy Conrad, at Manabite, on the Twitter machine, and he is the man behind the MCU Cosmic Cast. Jeremy, how are you, sir? Great, great to be here. <laughs> I think you had a birthday during that whole intro, by the way. Just like it, it's forever. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> so crazy week. <laughs> uh, so we're recording today on Thursday, August twenty second. Two days removed from a time that we were very far from home. Yes, people. They're <laughs> annou- they're announcing the uh, far from home re release. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Spider Man is no longer a part of the MCU. That was a very, uh, uh, 
awkward announcement because yeah, they did it. They officially confirmed the re-release, and then like an hour later, that uh, that news about Spider-Man came out. So it's like the last tweet Sony Pictures had was announcing the re-release, and it's their number one grossing movie of all time. And if you look, if you look at that tweet, it's just everyone's just you know going off on it because of the Spider-Man news. It's like they mumbled it under their breath. They're just like, guys, we have great news. Spider-Man's number one. Oh, so Spider-Man's leaving, but we number he's coming back for you know a week. <laughs> Yeah, this is worse I, than I, I was gonna see it. Isn't this worse than the canceling final ending of uh, the Walking Dead comic book? Well, that's an out of left field kind of thing too. I would yeah. I would say they're comparable. You know, they're or comparable. That's the word I'm gonna go with. Yeah. Yes, I kind of like how they did that with the Walking Dead, where he did those fake solicitations, and then oh, here's the ending. I, I kind of liked how he did it. Yeah. It was very bait and switch, but in a good way. It was just Kirkman going, yeah, I'm done. Although I would have loved to have read those. Like if those fake stories were real, I would have loved to have read those stories just to see how much longer he could go with the story. But, I was always wondering when it would end. You know, I was always like, how much longer can this go? How much? Oh, OK, that's it. You know, it's like not every not every uh, every image comic going to be Spawn or Savage Dragon. They're all eventually going to end. And I'm a big Savage Dragon fan, which it's it's very interesting being a Savage Dragon fan because you see the quality change, not in terms of good or bad, but just oh, it's an R-rated book now. All right, sure. But I can I can respect both Savage Dragon and even Spawn McFarlane because those are two of the you know. Early image books, you know, I was, I was there at the beginning, and they're still going. I mean, yeah. everyone else is just off doing whatever, and they're still doing those those books they started out with. So it's kind of cool. And I'm curious, you met, we both are all talking about The Walking Dead. Kirkman is, you know, he's still a head honcho over at Image Comics, and I'm curious, maybe we're going to see something with Marvel Zombies again down the line? Because he is the Marvel Zombies daddy. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he goes back and does one more little Marvel Zombies thing, especially since so many people are like kind of not I wouldn't say flocking, but Marvel and is kind of having this. It's not a renaissance, but it's like this kind of resurgence. You know what I mean? Because the book, I mean, you, well, we'll probably, you know, we'll talk about Hick, uh, Hickman, but there's kind of this like this kind of aura around Marvel again where the people are doing really, really great stuff there. So I would be surprised if, if Kirkman comes back and wants to do another Mar- Marvel Zombies in that environment. I remember two years ago I was talking to Aaron Cooter at uh, New York Comic Con and I made a comment. I'm just like, dude, you do realize you're a part of the new golden age of Marvel. It's you, Zdarsky, Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, and there's like 19,000 other names, Jerry Dugan, and they're all the rock stars of Marvel right now and they're putting out phenomenal content. Matthew Rosenberg is like the unspoken, like rising star there. He's doing, as of announced today, uh, Annihilation Scourge. So that's going to be his book. Are you reading his Punisher right now? So I, I'm so far behind. I'm like, I, the last thing I saw with it was that one panel with him and Mooney. And I was going to bring that up and, (laughs) Oh, you're, you're talking to the right podcast where we're loony for Mooney here. Well, at least I am. I'm certifiable. Oh yeah. I, I absolutely, I'm like, Oh, they're doing Mooney's they're doing Mooney. Good. Yeah. That that interaction is perfect. And I'm curious because there is some stuff going on right now with, you know, the Punisher. Like I, 
Comixology just had a big sale, and yeah, I'm a Marvel Unlimited member, but I'm like, I want to have my own digital copies to keep. They just mm-hmm. had the Punisher yeah. sale, so I you know, grabbed, I think, the first three volumes, but I'm not entirely sure. I think they were, but I need to read those because friend of the show, Doug Garnum of Haven for Heroes, he was telling me, you have to read the War Machine arc. I'm like, okay. I read the first issue, I'm like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> So. A lot of a lot of the Marvel stuffs like that now. Like Daredevil's fantastic right now. Mr. Darsky doing Daredevil and the art in Daredevil's great as well. I mean, we've always you know Daredevil's always been interesting where you had great artists on, great writers on there, but sometimes not the greatest artists. But right now you have great art and great writing on Daredevil, and I'm loving it. Absolutely. And you know, next uh, next week is the finale of Zdarsky's Spider-Man life story, which. If you people at home have not been reading it, you have to at least wait for the trade or the hardcover to come out because that is a phenomenal story. I, uh, I've been I reading that yeah, from, yeah, from the beginning, and I've been up to date on that for one title. It's funny. It's very good. It's a book in current year that Eddie Wilson is reading, and I'm loving that. I love knowing that <laughs> that's the book he's reading. And it's got you know phenomenal art. You have... Uh, I almost said Jeremy Bagley. We have we have Mark Bagley, friend of the show. Yeah. Jeremy Bagley is a real person, uh, Jeremy Conrad. But I digress. And let's see. Yeah, you also have uh, Venom by uh, Cates and Stegman, which again, yep. knocking it out of the park. Anything so. Cates does, he's going to knock out of the park. I mean, Cosmic Ghost Rider. I remember last year at Comic Con. I went up to him and I'm like, are we getting more Cosmic Ghost Rider, please? Because back then that was – it was just initial five issues and that was unbelievably amazing. It's like more, please, more, please. And we got more. But yeah. anything he touches is just going to be solid gold. <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying his uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think you know, as a fan of the Cosmic Marvel end of the spectrum, there's just yeah. so much great stuff. And I feel it's cool to see someone like Donnie can – is well-versed in not just doing like a street-level character or a, you know, a goopy villain like uh, Venom, but you also have the cosmic end where his Thanos, oh, was amazing. His, and, and that kind of went into Cosmic Ghost Rider where he basically turned it, it was Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah. And I, I just, I, there's, I was, you know, a lot of that book, I was just laughing almost in tears where you had this, little baby Thanos is like what is murder can we go do this murder (laughs) and I I loved it (laughs) there's there's just something about the current era of Marvel that's I I feel like every few years there will be a lull but then there are like you know maybe Mm. two or three uh, titles that are like amazeballs like you know you have superior Spider-Man you have superior foes of Spider-Man you have Hawkeye Mm -hmm. and you just see those and then you go over to the next year Again, two or three titles, two or three titles. This year alone, there's like about 15 titles that are just great things. That, that, that's my problem. I look at the weekly releases and like, I want to read that. 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 But it's like, yeah. I got to stick to you know, a bunch of like, I can't read everything. I'll wait for the trade or I'll wait for the, the sale to, to read. If it's, a, if it's like a limited series, I'm like, okay, I can wait. I can wait. But like Savage Avengers, I mean – you made Conan the Barbarian and Avenger. That was awesome. I mean, yeah. and like the first issue, it's like, yeah, you want to see Conan fight Wolverine. There you go. <laughs> I would say my go-to one, though, of titles that I did not expect to be as great as I, you know, thought they would be, Immortal Hulk. Al Ewing oh, yeah. writes the best comic today. 
and I was on that from issue one. Okay, same. but I did not expect it to take it take off the way it took off and outsell Batman. I went. That's what I what surprised me. <laughs> I sat with Al at New York Comic Con this past year, and you know I was doing a quick little interview with him, which still has not escaped our uh, uh, our archives. It will be coming very soon, but I digress. It's like watching just him sitting there and maybe people would walk up to him every 10 minutes, one or two people every 10 minutes. And like, wow. Now fast forward. I imagine he's going to be one of those ticketed people that you can only meet at New York comic con. If you go to the Marvel booth, which is really going to suck, but it's still, it's well-deserved. Yeah. That's one thing I do like about San Diego comic con is even though they do do the ticketed things, if you know the panels to hit, you could like, Last year, I was at Donny Cates was on the the this, this week in Marvel podcast. I got there early, got in the front row. I got a chance. I got to go up and talk to him for a few minutes and beg him for more Cosmic Ghost Rider. That's one of the things I like about City of Comic Con because if you know where to go, you could probably run into those guys without having to deal with the ticketed or the the uh, the lottery to get up and do signings. Because I don't really, I you know, I get everything digitally now, so I don't bother with signings anymore. So, but what this era of Marvel actually reminds me of, and I was thinking about this today before the podcast. It kind of reminds me – I haven't seen something like this since you know that early – the early 90s before that image boom when you had people like Jim Lee and McFarlane and everything doing Marvel stuff and you know really doing good stuff at Marvel before they you know, run off joined image. You, you, you had characters like – you had the X-Men. You had Spider-Man getting really big, great books and you haven't really seen a surge like that uh, like Marvel's seen now since pretty much then in terms of creativity. And also one of the titles that I would say is a little bit under the radar right now because not that many people have talked about it, but we'll end up using this as our segue to go back over to a certain uh, wall crawler. <laughs> but you have Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man, which, by the way, it was, I, yeah. I was there the day Eddie it's Wilson great. dropped it. <laughs> he dropped the book, but not because of quality reasons. He's just like, no, I can't. You, you do it, Eddie. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> it has to stop. <laughs> and I that's one of my favorite things. That's my one of my favorite Eddieisms because it's a true thing where it's no, we have to cut it off. We have to cut the head before it grows and grows and grows. <laughs> Essentially Eddie's collection is like a hydra. It really is. <laughs> Beca- uh, well yeah, I introduced no. Eddie to Deadpool. <laughs> that was a fun one where I watched him track down almost the entire run of the 1997 Joe Kelly onward run, and he has every issue. And I'm still jealous of the man because he got so many of those for oh so cheap. (laughs) And the Joe Kelly run is when Deadpool became the Deadpool everyone loves now. Absolutely. Yeah. It was then. Some people claim it was in New Mutants. I was like, no. He was kind of like – he was a – uh, less funny Spider-Man in New Mutants. Mm. Joe Kelly made him the Deadpool that's now. Absolutely. And I've always found it funny because you had talked about it a, a few weeks ago with Deadpool, maybe, you know, if he does stuff in the yeah, MCU. Yeah. I always hear fanboys going on saying, you can't do Deadpool's PG-13. <laughs> yeah, you can. And Yeah, the comics are. <laughs> and that's why I, I hate being that guy that says it, but... Read an effing comic. <laughs> like I, I think, think it was. It. I think 
I think Jordan White even mentioned this, I, I think, on an interview or it might have been on Twitter. I think it was him who talked about that. Like, we can't swear in the comics. I mean, with Deadpool. I mean, the com- he was you know saying that that this PG-13 in the comics, the movies are doing things we cannot do in the comics. And, yeah, the comics are absolutely PG-13 and you can do great Deadpool without him swearing every other word and lots of blood and gore. The, the, sometimes a comic does have blood and gore like the – there was an issue recently where he was talking. He, he was trying to kill Sabretooth, and he described a um, a clothesline plot he had to Wolverine to chop his head off. Head off, and Wolverine's like, "I you tried you told me that, and I told you it wouldn't work." And they're you know they're fighting each other in front of a, a school bus of kids, and there's blood everywhere, and it was absolutely hilarious. But you could still do that in PG thirteen. Yeah, and. I want to see Deadpool in a PG-13 rated movie other than Once Upon a Deadpool, though, because of the fact you can see him interacting with the limits of the PG-13 limit and how he can maybe find little ways around it or just mm-hmm. play it up. And the people that go on saying, you, uh, he'll be ruined that way. Are you kidding? He would be even funnier because now he's like confined and it's, it gives you new creative ways to be funny with it. Yeah, I, I don't like people pointing to Once Upon a, a Deadpool because that was basically just, from what I understand, that was just to get down to PG-13 so they could get a release in China because yeah. the, the R-rated one was was banned. So that was to get a release over there so they could make a little bit more money on it. And it was not meant to be you know, a test of PG-13 Deadpool. It, it, people see it that way, but that's really not what it was meant to be. And if you start – if you do Deadpool from the beginning as PG-13 and like you said – in those constraints, it could be absolutely awesome. I mean, and Marvel's doing the what if animated series on Disney plus where they, you know, have, you know, they're doing what if Deadpool even could play into that sort of like, what if attitude looking at things a little different way, you know, I would love to see a animated adaptation of the, what if Venom was possessed by the symbiote or symbiote. Wow. So I just turned into uh... Uh, Deadpool. Deadpool was possessed by, I was just thinking of that because I, that was a book I read and I laughed again almost till I cried uh when he found Thor and when he went after Thor in the um in the bathroom was absolutely hilarious I'm partial to the aspect of no pun intended aspect ha 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 of Modoc being attached to uh Galactus <laughs> and what's going on do we have company <laughs> just yeah such uh, a uh, great line yeah. Yeah, that was a great – and when they did that, I was like, oh, they're doing what – but they haven't – they only do like the what if is like you know once in a while. I mean I remember back in the day when it was pretty regularly coming out, you get what ifs all the time. But when they, that came out, I was like, oh, good. They're bringing back what if and they didn't do too much more with it since then. Which is a shame, but I mean I know fairly recently they were – they did like a wave of five, I believe. There was the what if mm-hmm. the X-Men became the EXE men. Yeah. Uh, there was something with like – I forget, it was a Thor one with the ice giants or frost giants and just some strange ones. But I'm like, all right, let's see what we can do with this. Marvel used to do a lot of really great, you know, humor back in the late 80s, early 90s for books. There's a great one they did called Fred Hemback Destroys the Marvel Universe. And it's basically every character gets killed. And I, you can look it up online. It's fantastic. There's a great bit in it where Ant-Man gets doused with water while he's shrunk and he lands on the doorstep of a little old lady. And she sees this little old, you know, wet man. So she goes and puts him in the microwave to dry him off. Well, there goes Ant-Man. Right. <laughs> I, the funniest thing is uh, Eddie and I have both met Fred Hembeck. And he's one of those characters in comics that just cool guy to me and just – 
<laughs> I I remember uh, I left and he had like a ton of these character cards and one of them was Booster Gold and Shazam and I had to leave with both of them. And that's the end of that story. I guess the point of that story is I like stories. So <laughs> And Fred Hembeck. And, and Fred Hembeck at Albany Comic Con. Yes. Yeah. And going back over rewinding because we we both we all went on a tangent with this with uh Spider Man and everything, but going back over to it, Spider Man with the whole issue of him and Sony. And like I said, as of this recording on August twenty second, two thousand nineteen. Oof, this is a situation and I about think it will work out. I, I think if if I'm being optimistic here, but I think they're going to go back to the table if it's before or after the D23 Expo this weekend. They're going to work this out because it's too much of a loss for both sides for the not be. I mean, and there's there's other things that can happen to force one side's hand to relenting. But I think they're going to realize they don't want to lose Tom Holland. They don't want to lose a billion dollar Spider-Man franchise because if they reboot I don't know how many people are going to go for another Spider-Man reboot. I made <laughs> especially a half- with them not MCU. <laughs> I made a half-assed meme of uh, it was the blank days without incident, and I wrote it as zero days without a Spider-Man reboot. And I just I don't want to see that you know counter get reset because I, I personally I don't want to see him bit by another spider. I don't want to see the Uncle Ben die again. I mean we've seen it. We Uncle- don't need another. <laughs> Uncle Ben has been shot more times than 50 Cent and like that's a realization <laughs> that I don't I don't want to see anymore that man stop stop he's already dead <laughs> well we could do it differently this way this this time I mean Spider-Man could be Snapchatting while he gets shot and you know somebody would do something like that there'll be dubstep in the background as it happens yeah blub 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 and <laughs> If you read those old Sony leaks, you know, when they got hacked, they had some bad ideas for Spider-Man, and those are probably, might, you know, resurface. See, my thing is, in regards to the... Sony kind of got their way, though, with his whole love of doing selfies and this and that, so they kind of mm. got their way with that, but realistically, that's a 16, 17-year-old. They're all into that stuff. They like the hula oh, yeah. hoops. They like the rock the and roll. Mob. Oh, no. Flash mob. <laughs> I don't know what would it be just a bunch of Flash Thompsons together then? Well, no, in home in Far From Home, he called his viewers on Instagram or whatever or Snapchat what he was using the Flash Mob. He did. So he was stre- he was streaming the whole time to his Flash Mob. Uh. <laughs> and the wor- the funniest thing is, I'm going to be hearing that line again when I go see Far From Home in probably a week because let's be honest, AMC A list rules, and yeah, but He's I, that guy, yep. He is. I'm curious, though. No, no, I agree. I love A-List. I mean, it's great. I mean, I'm looking at next week. I'm like, oh, Far From Home's out. But, oh, but The Matrix is also on Dolby Cinema. Hmm. I know. I can do both. <laughs> I had a ticket for the uh, – I was going to be going down for New York City for The Matrix re-release on the 31st. But as of right now, things change, and things change for the better for The Marvelists. Stay tuned for <laughs> Believers. I'm not going to say what else it is. But <laughs> – Eddie's just smirks in the background as he what looks at his... What else it is? Jeez. Well, we can't say it. Oh. Kayfabe, babe. But the other thing is, in regards to, you know, the Spider-Man reboots, rumored innuendo is that we might be seeing Spider-Man involved in the Venom-verse. And when I say Venom-verse, I'm talking about the Venom, 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 Venom. 
Ugh. I mean, do you really want Spider-Man connected to a Venom that has no connection to Spider-Man? Um, <sighs> not really. Uh, uh, <laughs> what? I mean, that that. I mean, oh come on, you, you know you're you know gonna go camp out for Morbius. I mean, come on, everyone's excited for Morbius. I'm so excited <laughs> to see Jared Leto, who is already dead behind the eyes, play a dead behind the eyes vampire. It's gonna be a hoot. <laughs> Oh, wow, that's going to be such a hit watch. I will, but no, it won't be. But, uh, I mean, of all the movies, Morbius. I, I mean, Marvel's doing Blade with an Academy Award winner, and we get Morbius? Starring Mahershala Ali, because I finally fin- finally figured out how to pronounce that man's first name. So, <laughs> shout out to our audio engineer, John. I didn't ruin that this time. <laughs> John, in this moment, you're going to include the parts where I was saying it terribly. Thank you. Uh-huh. Now, in regards to, you know, the Spider-Verse or the Venom-Verse or whatever they're trying to do with this, I'm curious, though, because there are people that want to see Venom cross over, and I'm just like, stop being curious. Well, you you had that in 2007. It sucked. It did. (laughs) What makes you you think they're going to do any better a second time? Fox going to get Dark Phoenix good the second time. <laughs> what makes you think these same people are going to get Venom and Spider-Man good a second time? Now, I mean, now, Jeremy, you're talking to an Eddie Wilson who kind of enjoyed Dark Phoenix. Isn't that right? Certain I didn't Eddie think Wilson. it was so, so horrible. I mean, geez. <laughs> I thought it was just boring. Same. I, I just thought it was boring. I was like, when's this going to be over? <laughs> I, ha- I just thought me, it was boring. Let me tell you all at home, I had a great nap during that movie. It was on par with <laughs> Aquaman. Hey, hey, I, I'm just. Hey, I like the keychain they gave at the fan event. It's a nice, it's a cool X keychain. I just don't look at the side that says Dark Phoenix. It's a cool X Men keychain. So at least I got that out of it. I'm just. I'm wondering what we're going to see next, though, with the Venom verse. Because other than the Morbius movie, I've heard rumors about Craven. They might do a Craven movie. They might do a Black Cat movie. And at one point, there were rumors going around on the interwebs about Craven even being in Black Panther too, which. Yeah. Why well, Coogler wanted to use Craven in the first Black Panther, and Feige was like, "No, we don't have him. You can't." So he wanted him in the first one. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's the, originally at one point it was going to be a Craven Mysterio movie. Then they changed that because they wanted to use Mysterio in the Spider-Man movie. So there's there's set photos out there of, from Morbius, and there's like little Easter eggs for Craven in there, and and uh, Silver Sable. It's just nothing and, but pelts all over. Animal pills. It's like there, there's like there's like a Craven caterer truck, and then there's like a Silver Sable like storefront or something. It's like Sable something like that. Sable something. So there's Easter eggs for Silver Sable, Craven, in in the in the Morbius movie. So, yeah, I mean, I I just don't want them rebooting Spider Man. And the thing that scared me was that Hollywood Reporter um, article that came out yeah uh, yesterday, which was Wednesday, which is it broke on Tuesday, then Wednesday, Hollywood Reporter put out an article and said. It's Sony believes they don't need Disney anymore for Spider-Man. They think they learned what they need to learn and they can just go off and do it on their own. And I, I, I don't think they, they realize what they're thinking. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you don't go and like look at a Jim Lee drawing and think, oh, I got it. I got it. And then go and, you know, do, you know, X-Force or something. <laughs> I'm also surprised. So. Liefeld at one point was also going on because I'm going to ask you because you're the guy who knows so much about the ins and outs of going on with the movie. 
and movies, I mean. And yeah. Liefeld at one point, I believe, said that Deadpool three was happening, or there was this and that, and I don't know what the I don't know what I can believe with the Rob Father sometimes. I don't know either because he did have kind of a seat at the table in Fox in terms of the Deadpool movies. I don't really think he would have that with Marvel Studios because, you know, Kevin Feige really control, well, not controls, but he over, he has a plan that he orchestrates. And I don't think it involves having Rob Liefeld sitting there, you know, saying stuff. So I don't think he would really know what's going on with with Deadpool because like with the Marvel stuff, I actually I've seen like Comic-Con. I've seen lots of I've ta- heard lots of creators talk about how the different companies deal with like accrediting him and a lot of times they 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 know they don't hear anything about the movie until the movie's actually going and then they'll you know get credit and get a little check or something but um yeah i don't think they would bring him in and so i haven't heard of any of the actual marvel creators doing that with any of the mcu movies yet actually being involved with the production side of things I know from time to time, like Jim Starlin will like say something like on our show when we had him on, <laughs> yeah, he made a comment in regards to Josh Brolin is wanting to, you know, go back and do more stuff as Thanos and like they'll find a way, you know, he wants to extend his contract and I'm like, can that happen? And it's, it's comics. Anything can happen. You know, we didn't. Oh yeah. I'd like to see that, but I, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, with time travel, anything's possible, you know, they could always bring him back in some way, but a lot of times that sounds like maybe like wishful thinking. Yeah. He, 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 he'd love that, that, that Marvel steady Marvel paycheck, you know, I mean, before the Spider-Man thing, uh, Holland had, it was a six movie contract. So they're still saying he has an option for a third solo movie, but if this didn't happen, I mean, they, everyone loves Holland so much. I wouldn't be shocked if, if this didn't happen and they did come to an agreement to continue going, he probably would have got one of those nice nine movie Marvel contracts. But now we are dealing with this crazy situation. I'm so worried about all of this too, because we have, and there are always going to be the people that say, I love Toby as Peter Parker, but I like Toby, but no, no, I Tom do. I, 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 oh, go ahead. I, I, I did. I do too. I was yeah. there for all of them. I saw them in theaters. But I think one of one of the things I personally think this is just my personal opinion. I think what it is, you're seeing this a lot nowadays, like with different IPs, not just superheroes. You have a lot of people who were kids, you know, back when those movies came out. You know, I was a kid back when. Um, Donner Superman come, came out, and I absolutely love that movie. Very nostalgic for me. But you have kids who are people who were kids back when those Spider-Man movies came out. And for them, those were the most amazing movies ever made. They're now spectacular. They're older and they're on the, yeah. They're on the internet. They're older and they will defend that till their dying days. And it's also kind of becoming a meme as well on the that, internet. So that was what I was going to bring up as well. But real quick, um, with how, Hol- like I love Holland more than Toby though, but oh, yeah. my thing is this, you just mentioned about it being a meme. I've noticed this and I had a conversation with some people about it. I feel the people that are going on and on about, oh, I totally love Spider-Man by Raimi, da 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 It is like an ironic love. Like, there are the ironic people that love the prequels, and then there are the people that genuinely love it, but the ironic people have a much louder voice because they share danker maymays, and you just, yeah. Yeah, Exactly. There's, there's like this guy who's been doing inserting Toby into the MCU, and I'm like, yeah, that meme, 
that meme was kind of old before you even did the first video. I mean, he, he takes these little, he just uh, composites Tobey Maguire clips from the Spider-Man movies into Endgame and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you're kind of killing the meme at that point. How much pizza time is mentioned, though? Uh, there's a, a couple of them. Yeah. And as someone who's been to Joe's Pizza in New York City, it it, it is definitely worthy of the pizza time meme. So, <laughs> and I'm just... I'm just really happy, though, that we have a Peter Parker in the form of Tom Holland because he's the perfect Peter Parker. He embodies so much about it. And I had I had a conversation with a friend of mine this morning, and he's saying the they made him into a weak character with Tom Holland because he was just – he's one of these people going on saying the character was Iron Man Jr. And CJ, I love you but because I know you're listening, but – I, I can't say that. I I completely disagree. Mm-mm. And there's... read a Spider-Man comic, okay? <laughs> I mean, go actually read. Like, you might have to go a little older Spider-Man comics when he wasn't before the whole you know Parker industry stuff. Like when he was yeah. in high school. Go back and read older Spider-Man comics. That is what Tom Holland is. He he perfectly embodies Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And he embodies the awkwardness of what it was like to be yes. a teenager. So you're watching all these little things, and you're just like. I'm watching it and I'm getting the douche chills for it because I'm like, oh, I remember all of that. <laughs> and that's still and, fairly uh, recent for me. <laughs> well, at the same time, capturing Spider-Man, there's, I watched home. I was watched home, homecoming last weekend again. And there's that at the beginning of the movie that there's that part where he's in school, but he just can't wait to get out of school to put that suit on. Yeah. And that, that's Spider-Man. That's Peter Parker. He would be sitting in school. He would do good in school, but he, he just can't wait for that bell to ring so he can run out and put on the Spider-Man suit and then fl- run around being Spider-Man. And that's that's perfect Spider-Man right there. That was me in eighth grade wanting to get out of school so I could listen to my Weird Al Yankovic CDs, which I'm not making a joke. <laughs> that was real. <laughs> so Yeah, it sounded too real to be yeah, not real. Yeah, Bad Hair Day was a good album, though. You can't deny that. Bad Hair Day, yeah. <laughs> hey, I know the Amish, title. Amish Paradise. Yes, and, and running with scissors. Mm-hmm. But I digress. And um, I I also just like how the the MCU Spider-Man movies are so perfect in the sense of the soundtracks. Like, they have the mm-hmm. coolest soundtracks. And I love the Guardians movies. As a man with a Star-Lord tattoo, I love the, the, <laughs> the Marvel Spider-Man movies more than I do the Guardians movies for soundtracks because... You have the jam. You have the uh, the go go's. You have who else? A flock of seagulls. Simply red. All of this stuff, and it's just wow. Really, that's going to be in your movie, yeah. and it works. Yeah, it yeah it, it fits. Those are you know, those are t- the type of things that Peter Parker would listen to, even though he says he loves Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Those are sort of things he would probably listen to with because that'd probably be Aunt May. You know, it's kind of like Star Lord got his mixtape from his mom. Those would probably be the type of things that Aunt May would have that would filter down to uh, Peter Parker. Absolutely, because I have a younger Aunt May. You know, she's she's at that age for those bands. It's trickle down Parkernomics. So yeah, I wow Eddie's look on his face for that one was fantastic. <laughs> I wish this was a video podcast. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> anyway. In regards to that, too, it's just they're also just fun. And when I was watching those movies, I also I feel. What's his name? John Hughes would have made a Mm -hmm. great Spider-Man movie back in the day. And these movies feel like the love child of a John Hughesian kind of film. 
And now it's it's this is getting me to where I was on Tuesday, getting you know sad and upset, like oh we're gonna lose that Spider Man. We can't lose that Spider Man. That Spider Man was great, and, and like you'll get Raimi people coming after you saying oh yeah what about Spider Man two? Another thing you get is what about Spider Verse? Spider Verse is great. It's a great animated Spider Man movie, but for live action, uh, uh, Tom Holland's just the perfect Peter Parker, and I don't want to lose that. I mean especially after her uh, Far From Home because Far From Home was. Far From Home is probably my favorite Spider-Man movie. There's that sequ- that illusion sequence with Mysterio, and that was a that was a Steve Ditko comic come to life on screen like you've never seen before. I like how after Mysterio takes off some of the padding, like right before he reveals, all right, he bought it. That part, like you see him take some of the stuff off the layers. He has the regular Mysterio costume underneath from the comics underneath, and I'm just like, damn, that's cool. Just seeing like that little detail. Yeah, it was. I, I loved. I only. I, and unfortunately, I only saw Far From Home in theaters once because uh, there's all Comic Con prep after that. But that's why I was looking forward to the re release. Now I'm even kind of down on the re release because of all this. Because it's like, just fix this. Fix yeah. it. Get in there and fix it. <laughs> there's also a part of me that really wants to go see this, partially because I realize my local AMC theater will have the Spider Man popcorn available, the kettle corn, where it's blue and red and it's vanilla flavored. And. It's pretty damn good. That's my commercial for AMC. Go to your local AMC and watch the commercial where the guy almost throws popcorn in his face, but doesn't because they cut that part out, and it always disappoints me. Ramblin' Peter Melnick here for you 24-7. Now, also, in in regards to... Let's go over to one of the things I know you wanted to talk about a lot. The Jonathan Hickman stuff of the X-Men. Oh, I I mean, I can... I don't have the time to do it, but I could go on Hickman forever. I, I, I have a friend who who doesn't who actually kind of stopped reading comics around one more day, and I keep trying to hammer into him. Read everything Hickman has ever written for Marvel. I mean, literally. I mean, read everything because if you go even go back to his Secret Warriors, you see Shield uh, Hydra infiltrating Shield. Hmm, I wonder where they use that. Then you have the Black Order in his Avengers run. I wonder where they use it. I think they are. Marvel Studios kind of looks at him and kind of like, ooh, he has some great ideas. Let's use those. So I wouldn't be shocked if some of the stuff that's in these X, this, this X-Men that he's starting up is will influence how they're going to do the X-Men in MCU because he does have a kind of cool idea of how to explain where the mutants have been. Um, there's that island, you know, the you know, the mutant living rock guy, Krakoa. They could just say they've been out on their own little island and now they're suddenly coming into the world. That could be a way they bring them into the movies. I'm excited because, yeah, absolutely. And Hickman has some really cool ideas. And I've read a big chunk of his Avengers story where you know it led to the Black oh. Order. And he even found ways to make references to a one-shot story he did with Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, yep. and my boy Deep Pity. And just seeing a Shang-Chi Deadpool story just get randomly referenced and still it had importance to the overall story shows what kind of writer Hickman is. His, that run where it was the Avengers, new Avengers, and it went through that into uh, infinity and then time, the incursions with time runs out and secret wars. Um, I, I, I talked to a friend of mine and he always, he loves what Claremont did with dark Phoenix saga and how that was a slow buildup and it simmered. I always tell him, Hickman's Avengers is probably the best long form build up to a, a big story since Dark Phoenix. And if anyone hasn't read it, 
they're on Marvel Unlimited. Read that run. It's it's worth the time involved because it's a fantastic. And every issue, like in his X Men now, has a reading order in that in those Avengers where you can go and see. Okay, read this issue, of New Avengers, then this issue, of Avengers, and so on. And it's fantastic to get through. And he's just now starting on X Men, which is going to be kind of scary of how cool it can get. Although. For myself, I just I'm so far behind, but I read the first issue and I started a little bit of uh I believe Powers of X. That's the first that's the second part. And then you go yeah. into House of X again, then that, that, that. Yeah, and it alternates. Reading it, I will admit I felt like Homer Simpson watching Twin Peaks. Brilliant. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. And that's how it is at the beginning, but as they as they get into like the second issue of House of X and then the second issue of Powers of Ten, I, like I said, I have not read this week's yet. It starts to kind of – you start to be able to figure out, wait a second, I kind of – there's theories of what's going on. And I kind of figure out, OK, so this is what he's doing and there's multiple timelines and it's kind of – it's a great way to do X-Men that's new. That people jump right into it and you don't need to read X, have read X-Men before. But if you are a longtime X-Men reader or if you've read X-Men for decades – there are sayings in there that you'll love to see. Like you, there's a part in House of House of uh, X issue two where you see the six one six universe, how that could be connected to all this. So it's really really cool what he's doing. And it's funny because X Men in general, they've had like ebbs and flows in regards to quality, but like the past, I want to say two years, you have the Matthew Rosenberg yes. run on X Men, which was phenomenal. Ed and uh, Ed Bryson. Then you have, or Brisson, whichever you pronounce. When I interview him, this will be a fun way of introducing myself. How do you pronounce your last name? But <laughs> also you have the Ed Pisker Grand Design, which mwah, I just did the Italian chef thing. And yeah, it helped for that. But, there has been some really good X-Men over the last, I mean, some people are, yeah, they didn't do the greatest with Cyclops and they had to deal with not having Wolverine, but they kind of did that with Old Man Logan, but there has been some really good X-Men over the last couple of years. But when you have Jonathan Hickman, who who has actually said that previous, his previous Marvel stuff was basically work for hire. The comic he loved was X-Men, so he's doing something that he loves. We're probably in for something that's probably going to be legendary, <laughs> just based on his love for the property and his talent in writing Marvel stuff. I'm also – I really love what he said when – in regards to writing the X-Men, he goes – something about omega level mutants and then he goes yes none of this makes sense this is a job i have in the united states of america and i'm like damn right you do <laughs> and but i love that he, they made you know uh, franklin richards an omega level mutant and i think he might play into it the, the bigger story especially since they they had him on there on that list like oh wait what's franklin richards doing there <laughs> there's so much cool stuff and i feel with Everything that's going on, X-Men and the Fantastic Four are not going to be the red-headed stepchild in regards to the Marvel comics and in the movies because we're going to be getting some quality stuff. Dan Slott is doing a phenomenal run on F4, and we're going to be getting, I believe, uh, Tom Scioli. He's, he's one of the dudes from Cartoonist Kayfabe. He's mm -hmm. doing Fantastic Four grand design where it's retelling the Stan and Jack era and just amazing stuff that we have ahead of us. Yeah, I'm real excited. I mean, my my favorite Marvel, uh, my favorite comic book character is a character, just solo character would be Doctor Strange. But my favorite co Marvel comic of all time, always, you know, since I was a kid, it's been Fantastic Four. 
And I, when they ended the comic because of, you know, 2015, which I refused to watch until they brought the comic back. Oh, um, <laughs> when they ended, when they, when they ended that comic, it was sad for me. It was like, it's gone. And it's, I, there, there have been, they've done some fantastic four, just like cameos and a little bit here and there. And, um, I think it was Bendis. Oh yeah. Bendis when he was doing his, um, guardians and he had Ben Grimm on it. There's this one little bit in there where Ben Grimm's having a flashback to, to the family. I got emotional reading that. Cause like, I want these people, I want this comic back. I want it back. And now it's back and I can't be happier because we got fantastic four back. We got X-Men doing really well, but Marvel's, Fantastic Four is, you know, that was the first Marvel thing Stan created. And I think Marvel realizes that and understands its importance to the company. And I think Kevin Feige realizes that. And he said at Comic-Con, they're finally going to be done on in movies with the respect that, you know, that they deserve. And I'm like, yes, we're finally going to get a really good Fantastic Four. That being said, I still love the Roger Corman one. (laughs) Yeah. And the funniest thing about the Roger Corman one is it's not really a superhero movie because the Fantastic Four, as we said throughout Fantastic February this year, they're not a superhero team. They're a family of adventurers. And the way I describe Fantastic... Yeah, the way I describe Fantastic Four to everyone, and I this was even back with the Tim Story movies, which were okay, but but people don't like it because I think people went into those expecting very serious X-Men type story, and that's kind of what led us to the 2015 thing. Um... But they are the Fantastic Four is lost in space. It is if you go back and the 1950s lost in space. That's what Fantastic Four is. It's a family sitcom with sci-fi trimmings, basically. And the Ant-Man movies are very, very, very much in that same tone. So I'm kind of hoping that uh, Payne Reed gets to do Fantastic Four because he would he would do it right because I think he understands that tone as the Ant-Man movie shows. So. I, that's what I'm really can't wait to see Feige do. We're finally going to get them on the big screen. And like I said, hopefully I'm hoping it'd be like that, that Corbin one. Cause the Corbin one is a pretty good fantastic four movie uh, with that tiny budget. <laughs> it's, it's goofy fun. And like, that's what we, yes. we both, you know, agreed upon when we watched it. And yeah, you have the moments where Reed Richards has a pool noodle for an arm outside of a limo as it just waves. <laughs> you got the hamburger helper thing just attached to the bottom of it. But it's that, and it's still got a level of heart, and it still yes. bums me out knowing that it has never been officially released. It's, you know, it's it's escaped, and it shouldn't have had to have had that happen. It should have gotten the respect it deserves. Go out for it. Why not? And there, yeah, there are people could, that love it. Could, yeah, you could find it on YouTube, and the documentary about the whole story that is actually streaming on Amazon Prime video now. So if you have Amazon Prime, go look for Doomed. And it's the whole documentary about uh, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie. And um, it, it, the documentary is really good, too, because it, it talks about you know everything related to that movie and how it you know fell apart. <laughs> it's fun. And much like this episode, it's fun. I'll say that again. <laughs> Jeremy, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. And before we even say anything, you are more than welcome to return to the program. Anytime, guys. Anytime. I had a great time. I love, you know, I I can talk about comics forever. I do it to my wife. I mean, I, I tell her <laughs> stories of what it was like in 1986 to walk into a supermarket and go to a spinner rack and pick up a, you know, my first comic ever was a Star Comics Silverhawks, which was Marvel's licensed uh, 
thing they did back then. That's where Peter Porker originated. You walk into the supermarket, you pick up a comic off the rack. You don't go to a comic shop. So I, I, I bore my wife with stories like that because I could talk comics all the time. So I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Eddie, Thanks, do you, guys. Eddie, do you regale the misses with comic book stories? Uh, in moderation, in doses, because <laughs> I'll get the, the, the turnoff factor. And But uh, happily, though, when the movies show up on FX or some of the other channels, she'll land on them and stay there and maybe reference some stuff. Hey, is this, isn't this where this happens? And so she's in. She's in somewhat. My she's... girlfriend's a diehard Captain America fan, so mm, yeah. All right. All right. But... Yeah, my, my wife is a Doctor Strange. She, she well... Um, she's not a huge Cumberbatch fan anymore, but she was, and she would watch Doctor Strange all the time. And I'm like, oh, that's fine, because I love Doctor Strange. She's my favorite, so that's great. And she kind of got a little bit off it because it took so long to get the sequel. She's like, when are, doing, when are they doing a sequel? When are they doing a sequel? It's like, well, now they're doing one, 2021. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's like it's not quite, but it's almost 10 years that they're going to wait for a sequel for this thing. I think it's 2021 or 22. It's, 20, it's May 2021, so they Not start quite. filming uh, early next year. So it's been – that's almost – what? that's almost six years. It's five Jeez. years. <laughs> so not quite a decade. I overshot it with that one. But it's – wow. That's wild but and strange. Uh-huh. But <laughs> Eddie's sympathy laugh just now was fantastic. I appreciate that, Eddie. <laughs> Wait. Do you have asthma? That was no. That oh. was a, that was a Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, Jeremy, thank you for being on the show today. How can people get a hold of you on the worldwide interwebs, and how can they listen to the MCU Cosmicast? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Manabyte. That's M-A-N-A-B-Y-T-E. Uh, my website's MCUCosmic.com. Uh, the MCU Cosmicast uh, goes up. Uh, every Monday morning, you can find it on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, just look for it on your podcast, and you might find it. I, I'm finding that the feed's being picked up all over the place. Uh, so yeah, every Monday the MCU Cosmic Cast. It's also on YouTube. Just search for M- MCU Cosmic, and there's a video version of the podcast. That also goes up Monday mornings. So that's where I, you can find me. I want to give you a compliment, by the way, because you do MCU Cosmic Cast as a one man show, and. It's very hard to do a one-man show, and our audio engineer, John Sherburn, does a show called Nightcap, and he finds a way to be able to make it flow and work, and again, much like yourself, you guys rock the one-man format, and it's, in for me, it's regular listening every Monday, so... Oh, oh! Thank you very much. I, I, I try. It's, it's. I started when I started this time. I was like, oh, I should do a podcast, and it just kind of grew out of that, and I'm like... You know what? After 14 episodes, I'm like, maybe I should do a video, do it on video. And I, I it's taken practice, but uh, I, I appreciate that. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you, by the way, for blowing up my Twitter every once in a while when you retweet some of the things I say. I'm still yeah, getting notified. <laughs> the Twitter account with great power comes great responsibility. And sometimes I'm like, should I hit this retweet or not? <laughs> you... Some things I'm like, Ugh. my notifications. Should I tweet this or not? <laughs> my notifications were going off for like an entire day and a half over that Eminem tweet. I'm just like, geez, Louise Simonson. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that was. But it's true. We're probably going to get another Eminem song in a Spider-Man movie. No, no, Venom, no. Venom two. Venom, Venom two. My name is. Oh no. No, 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 no. 
again thank you guys very much it was, Thanks, it was a Jeremy. lot of fun absolutely anytime anytime you guys want to have me just let me know i'll, Heck I'll yeah. be here <laughs> for the marvelists i'm peter melnick i'm jeremy conrad and i'm eddie wilson excelsior